Hello, everybody. This is the Positive Feedback Loop, and this is your host, Ray. And joining me is Luis. Hello. And we have Stephanie. Hi, everyone. In the show, we talk about lots of different topics that we personally find interesting. And we have a social dialogue and disagreements often about them, but we have a good conversation. We always have fun. And welcome to the show. Positive Feedback Loop. Today, we have the topic of social media, but not regular old social media. This is posthumous social media. And what does that mean? Let's break it down a little bit. Your life will end someday, and it may uh, come before you're ready for it. And when that happens, who do you want to be taking care of your social media? Who do you want, What do you want to happen with it? That People will like- need access to your accounts. What happens to your bank accounts? What happens to your email? What happens to your Facebook, your Google accounts? All your information is out there. Your LinkedIn. All that yeah, information is out there. I don't think that's... And a lot of that stuff is accessible only through certain passwords. Okay. And if you don't leave them behind for someone, you're locked out. Dear Piffle listeners, have you ever thought about death? Have you ever thought about when it occurs, how it occurs? We all know one thing for certain. It will occur. But what about everything you leave behind? Now, we all have things that we're going to leave behind. We have possessions. We have tools. We have data. We have bank accounts, assets, homes, contracts, books, art, many things that we'll leave behind. A lot of these things have become digitized. And the way to access the digital things that we own when we're alive, it requires some sort of protection, a password usually. And what happens when you can't actually be the person entering in that password? What happens to all that data? Is it locked out forever? Do the owners of those platforms have access to that data? Who should be owning that data? Where does it go? This is These are really fundamental questions and tough questions. And on this show today, on the Positive Feedback Loop, we're going to try to address these questions and talk about how the future of these types of uh, potential scenarios is going to play out in the future. So today on this show, we'll be talking about our digital afterlife. What do you think is going to happen to your afterlife? What's going to happen to all your information? I think of all the assets we do have that, that are digital. And this wasn't really a concern decades ago when people didn't have Facebook accounts and email addresses and who knows what we have. Uh, you know, now it's really a postmodern concern, this idea that we leave behind remnants of ourselves in the digital world. One of my clients is actually a, um, in the financial industry and they had posted to their own social media, which is funny, very meta. Anyway, they had posted an article about how you need to include digital assets in your will so that if you do want your digital information or anything to be accessible to uh, as part of your inheritance, that you need to write that in, which is super interesting. So it means you're not just willing your house, like you said, or your jewelry or whatever it is, but you're willing 
passwords or whatever it may be. Well, this is also one of those things that's uh, a huge concern, mostly because people are really unwilling to have a frank conversation about death. I know that one of the things that I did used to do a lot as a case manager was talking to people about their plan for after they pass away, right? You have to get your state in order. You have to make sure that you have, and this is, we're not even talking about social media or your bank accounts or any of that stuff. We're just talking specifically, making sure you have a will, making sure you have a plan for if you are hospitalized and you're incapable of making decisions, who should be making those choices for you? What should those choices be, right? You want to have your end of life choices figured out. And this is something you need to do sooner rather than later because you don't know if one day you're going to step out onto the street and you will not come back home. And it will really be difficult for your family if these are choi- these are choices they have to make for you. And yeah, it's really interesting. I think that you mentioned about how people aren't really talking about it. It's something we tend to avoid. The topic, the entire topic is uh, avoided. And it causes actually lots of additional burdens on people that are kind of just, um, you know, we, we just have to deal with them because we don't talk about this type of, these types of topics very often. Um, it's a conversation we need to have. It's a very common problem for families and everyone has to think about it. That's, I think, what you're trying to say, and it's something that we ignore. I've noticed that estate planning happens later in life, and it, and so the discussion about death happens later in life. It tends to happen with the older children, not meaning <laughs> the, the, the first in line or something, but with the children as they become older, um, as their own parents are approaching the age where death is a possibility, a greater possibility anyway. And so estate planning comes in into that. And, you know, with wills, we don't really write wills early in life just because it's not worth it if we don't have that many assets. So, you know, what are you going to do? Leave behind your plastic drawers that you hold your stuff in in your apartment? I mean, like, it's not worth it to write a will for that, right? But it the tables are kind of turning, or maybe I should call the it like the scales are are shifting, because now the I would say the younger generation has a lot more value in digital assets that the older generation does not have. So the older generation may have more physical assets, but a younger generation uh, could have for example, let's say you're an in- Instagram influencer and you have an Instagram account and access to that that has, you know, uh, several hundred thousand followers. Can you will that to someone, that influencer, that that following um, to kind of carry on? Uh, could somebody even carry on your personality and all that in memoriam, you know, not faking that they're you or anything, but they could they carry it on and therefore extend the value of your brand and draw value from that. I mean, that's huge. And that means that you might at a very young age actually want to write a will up for that if that's worth a lot, right? One of the things that's highly different from simply talking about estate planning, because when you talk about estate planning, you're talking about leaving behind items, land, goods, things that have a tangible value a lot of the time. And while some of the things are might be sentimental, it is mostly those things that have goods that are, I mean, that have value that are tangible. Or currency as well. 
You yes, can imagine, that like, we that's leave a behind. Big, right, absolutely. even insurance. Think about what insurance actually does, like the purpose of insurance. But well, go on. You're, you're absolutely right. But one of the things that's changed, and I think this is one of the most tangible things that's changed, is that nowadays we leave behind a past that everyone can see. We leave behind a very specifically more tangible past that you're right, not everyone, not everyone has a social media presence, not everyone has a blog, not everyone has stuff uploaded to the internet. Also, but those the, that the do, privacy settings are also part of this equation too because you said you know, everyone has the ability to see just because they're posted in a place online. Yes, it's true. One can assume if it's online it's somewhere on any server, it's potentially out there. And I could see that argument too, um, but I don't know. But if it's if it's online, chances are you don't own it. At least you don't fully own it. No, you can own That's, things that are online. I mean, copyright uh, law covers online. If you've created it or produced it, you own it. Depends on what the terms of service for the services are. For example, like if you have a Facebook info, if you have a Facebook account, it doesn't. Truly, it, it does not depend on who truly the owns the images you upload. To a you Facebook do. Account. So all of these accounts where you're posting U.S. copyright law, so I can't speak for other countries, and I'm not offering legal advice, so don't take my advice, but my understanding is, to the best of my understanding, that U.S. copyright law covers that if you produce something, you produce a file, uh, an image, text, a poem, a, a song, a podcast, that you own that thing. Uh, so you... You may then, of course, there may be a terms of service that says, you know, if you upload, we also have reserve the right to publish this elsewhere. Um, but I don't think that unless you specifically sign a contract signing away um, your ownership of something you create, that they can necessarily claim it or as their own. So this really does then apply to how um, digital assets are are used. I mean, it's even with email. But when looking... you die, who owns it, right? And then who, how does that get? That that's kind of what I'm trying to yeah. get at. It's, yeah. It's more you no longer have when you are dead. You no longer have a say in what happens to your stuff online, unless you write up a will or unless some sort write of up a legal plan. document. Yeah. Yes. Uh, without having thought about all these things, it is impossible. First of all, for you to access it because one you're dead and two for your family to access it a lot of the time because unless it's been written up they don't have access to that stuff even if you do leave information behind or you have a will and you have some sort of way to pass on the data or information to your loved ones or whatever and it's a legal agreement what what does it even matter you may not have a chance to decide what happens to your data before you pass Anything can happen, and there are many cases of this happening, right, where you pass away, you know, an accident happens, you have an illness, something comes in that gives finality to your existence, to put it nicely, but does not give finality to your presence online. All your accounts are left behind unattended, right? You have your Facebook is currently open. There is. It just looks like you posting had your last post where, which could have been you having fun in Tijuana, whatever so, you were doing. So what should they do it with the data? Be, it's it's hard to know what's going to happen with all your information, all your accounts, all your social media presences, all your text messages, even after you're dead. 
And you want to be make sure you want to make sure that you're remembered appropriately, that you're remembered well. And maybe you don't want that information being out there. Maybe you want your account closed. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want your account to be to be left open so people can see what you were like when you were alive. There is a, there are a lot of options out there, and if you don't plan for it, it may be the wrong one that gets done. You're making a few assumptions here. First, you said that people will want to um, be able to be known well or they care. What, what makes you think people will even care? Some people... Oh, I won't care when I'm dead. Right, so... I'll be dead. That I mean, at that point, it's my ability to care is over. Right. But my question would be then, what portion of the population do you think actually cares? And do you think, obviously, actually the question can be answered in this way. <laughs> I'm sorry for answering my own question, but I realized that it'll probably be a gradual thing. It'll depend completely around the generation of the people. And for example, maybe younger people will have a more of a, you know, they're, they're, in, they're more in deep in social media, for example. They've just have more, I'm sure a 25 year old might have so much more data than a 65-year-old, but the 25-year-old has lived much less number of years and has experienced much less things. So that's interesting, but they have like probably, you know, 10 times the data. So there's this like gap now, I think, happening with this introduction of social media and the ability to record many things, not just social media, the locations of where you've been ever because Google is tracking you through Google Maps, for example. And, you know, it's fun for you and it's convenient to see where you've walked and where you've traveled and identify you know your speed and all these things they're features to us but they're also points of data collection and as the technology improves you're going to have sources of data collection that are going to be more fine-tuned and granular you will literally have like an overlay of skin potentially that tracks every muscle movement of your body and that's a little bit way down uh well we are know. tracking biometric data so you could have your grandma's Fitbit data of everything she's done, her heart rate and everything. And she could technically will that to you, the access to that data so that it could help you with your health choices down the line. If she said, you know, I did these certain things, we're very much related. And when I did these things, it made my life better. It might make your life better. So you can see how someone might, I mean, you could see how someone would want to share data especially in families. Now, somebody who is 60 years old versus 25, the 60-year-old really has created more data, but it's been destroyed. So, you know, you think mm. of home videos that probably had water damage or were lost, and then you have, or just thrown away because they didn't want them, <laughs> you know, and you have school papers that were written on a piece of paper and, you know, they're in a, they're in a heap somewhere rotting um, in a, landfill and you know you have all this data that that was created but not preserved as well so the younger person ha has more data only because digital data is stored in a way that has longevity it can be duplicated and backed up so this there's this idea that we have data and, and it's also a lot of i mean I do agree that the younger person can create more data per year because you think of like Fitbit data as tons of raw data 
even. But it doesn't have to be younger or older. But, I just want to you know, point out, like, there's yeah. it's a, at least now, even like everyone's kind of using fitness that's, that's data, for example. When, when it comes to your, uh, you asked a question earlier, Ray, and it was who who is this data for? Kind of like I mean, you didn't say those exact words, but that's kind of what you were saying. What does it mean? And the data is for the living. The only people who care about what happens after you're dead are the living, whether it is your descendants or yourself before you die. Well, right? do they have to be do you want to be remembered? Luis, do they yes. have to be Luis, do they have to be living? Does it have to be does the data have to be only for the living? Is are there are other dead, sorts of you do not maybe, get a say. Right, but what about other forms of data crunchers? So, like, for artificial intelligence, where it's not necessarily a living human being. They don't care about the data. They just have data, and they use so, it. But that's, so not, that's, that's not the point. That's besides the point. The idea is humans. They might care about humans, the data. Right. Amongst humans, those who are alive are the only ones who value what happens to your information after you die. And that challenge includes yourself. That. Let me challenge so I think that. that. Will change. Yeah, I let me hear the challenge. So Stephanie. let's go. I would say that it would only be for the living if you believe that. I mean, this might be a, a religious statement. I'm not sure, but if you believe that after death, you're just you're gone. You're there's no more of you, right? Um, but if you believe in an afterlife and that there are souls out there, then data can help. And I'm thinking of a Pixar film, Coco, if you've seen yeah, Coco this was children's a film. Coco is a great <laughs> like movie. Like, one of the and best it, movies. It, it brought tears to my eye. <laughs> oh, beautiful. it brought many because tears. Abuelita, no! I know, Abuelita. But what I love... You're welcome. Okay, that's Moana. Wrong song. But... <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like we're that's movie right, reviewer podcast. <laughs> so I know we're not a movie reviewer Recordame. podcast. Anyways. But in Coco... You keep, I mean, data comes in, come in many forms. It can be text, it can be raw information, data. But pictures are data as well. And, you know, in this idea of Day of the Dead, they keep the pictures of their ancestors so that their ancestors can come back and visit the living. And they're doing this for the dead. It's not, I mean, it is for the living as well to, to remember them and to honor them and to have them present in some way and helping them on that day. But it's really to honor them and keep keep them, uh, can I say alive in the afterlife, but <laughs> connected in some way. And, well, in the movie, you know, what happens when they, I don't, the pictures fade? What would happen exactly? They just they disintegrate. They disappear. What if that disappearance is actually a, leading yeah. into a different... You know, afterlife. That's well. I mean, that's a that's we're going like now yeah. two degrees removed from from that idea. But I mean, even in the Mormon faith, there's a lot, a lot of data that the Mormon Church has on genealogy and family history work, and it's every birth date, death date, marriage date, place of residence, uh, who they're connected to, is first wife, family second tree, wife, everything, family tree, and it's lots of data to the point that. Um, most genealogical society, the Mormon Church, <laughs> has they, a lot. Uh, FamilySearch.org is the website that kind of hosts. You can log in and, and start looking and building your family tree. But this is data that people are keeping to it, it very much 
like in the movie Coco, this idea of family history. And Mormons believe that you live after death and that you are actually can by, you know, getting this data and, and doing ordinances for these these dead relatives that you are connecting yourself to them, you are saving them, you are uh, doing a lot for them. So anyway, those are my arguments for data being for the dead as much as for the living. I would say that none of that invalidates that data and what happens to you after you die is for the living. Whether you believe that what ha- that you are still around after you die, you do not get a say in what happens in the world of the living. You do not get to choose how you are remembered. Yeah, because it's you very are limited. <laughs> you are dead. Yeah. And so what happens is the living may choose to remember you and may choose to honor you through different ways. And, and they, they do it in their own ways. Around. They yeah, get to choose how they do that. I mean, funerals are for the living. Yeah, um, they are absolutely for the living. The same way that a social media account being kept open is for the living. It is for them that grief bots have been invented. It is for them that accounts that are being managed after someone's dead are around. It is not for the dead. The dead don't get a say on how they are remembered. Now, whether you believe that they are around, whether you believe that they exist in some way, that's fine. But I know that personally, at least in my own thoughts on the matter, whatever happens to me after I'm dead doesn't matter anymore to me once I am dead. But it matters to me while I am alive. I want to be remembered in a positive light. I want to be a, a source of comfort for my family. I don't want to leave my family with a burden once I'm dead. These are all things that I think a lot of people think when they think about their own and the end of their own existence. So while I agree that, yeah, different people can have different customs to uh, leave behind for their, their families, their friends, and all manner of relatives, ultimately, death is for the living. So how would you set up your accounts, Louise? How do you want to be remembered? That is a difficult question. I would like to be remembered positively, but honestly, I, I would like to be forgotten. I think that all of my information does not need to be around forever. I think that I want my family to have however much they need to make them be able to move past my the end of my existence, whether that is future children, future spouses, my own parents, if they happen to be around when I am when my demise arrives, and I hope that it doesn't come to that. Would you want your loved ones, family members, friends, would you want them to ever use any of your data in any way in order to generate new data? Maybe new data about you? Maybe have a conversation with you using everything you've ever said in the past? No. You wouldn't want that. What if it was to come your children? What if your children would feel comfortable uh, or they would feel happy and... If it helps people get past my own demise, fine. But if it helps, it makes them cling to my lack of existence, then no. I don't want to be a burden on people once I am dead. I don't want to make it so that they it can't It wouldn't be a burden. Past. Potential wisdom, in a way. Wisdom how? 
Because they haven't lived your entire life. They don't know all the things. Neither has social media. Neither has my information. Well, actually, I would argue that as we get into this technological age and as we get more granular with the recordings of all our information, we, we, you know, you've had text conversations uh, with people, I'm sure, um, to a degree that you feel created value in the conversation. Just Mm -hmm. imagine the conversation you've had in different chat groups, for example. Sure, it might not be relevant to all of humanity, but it actually adds a layer, or no, rather it adds portions of creative information, new ideas. I mean, that's what books are. People have written something and we've saved it, even though they've passed along, right? If you published a book, would you want to be Would you want the book to be destroyed after you're gone, for example? All the copies... If someone wants to read through my work and get some value out of it, I am happy to let them do that. If someone wants to create an amalgam of me using my work, then no. Because I do not think that you can, that using the current information I have put out into the world, you could create anything simple, anything close Mm. to a facsimile of me. So you're saying two different ideas. One is, or you're responding to different ideas. One yes. is, you don't want people to recreate you or attempt to recreate you, but you are okay with the remnants of data you've left behind, people piecing together and doing, creating their own creations, building upon it, new inventions, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if someone takes something I've written somewhere and wants to make something new out of it, fine. If you want to make something terrible out of it, Fine, I don't mind. I'll be dead. But if you want to make me out of it, then no. Because I feel like that is not going to help. It. I know. So uh, earlier we, I mentioned grief bots, and this is something that we'll talk about in the second half. And it's the idea of creating chat bots out of the social media and text messaging presence of people who are now deceased. And these grief bots help supposedly help people move past the death of friends, loved ones, etc., by giving them the ability to talk to those who have now who have long been dead. Grief bots. They're the idea of taking someone's social media presence, someone's uh, text messages, and then rebuilding a chat bot that is a machine and an AI that will speak back to you using responses similar to the originals. Mm. Uh, social media and talking patterns to create to create a facsimile of the person that hmm. if you're grieving you can talk to it and it will respond to you and give you a sense that you can still talk to this person even though they are gone right that's really interesting i wonder how actually these things are built and i think that we're going to cut the commercial thank you guys for sticking around and listening to the beginning of this episode and for the second half we will get more into the technology and how things may work in the future. Hello, I'm Madeline Acosta and welcome to Techie Friday, where I try out new technology for all you listeners out there. 
Now to recap last week, I visited Posthumously Alive, a startup that has a new grief bot, Molly, that takes everything you've recorded, emailed, left in a voicemail, blogged, tweeted, turned in as homework. Anyway, Molly analyzes all the data and creates a digital replica of yourself and that your family can interact with, you know, have conversations with you after you've passed. I'm here to try out Molly's version of myself. Now, here's Harold, uh, the CEO of, of Posthumously Alive. Hi, Madeline. Now, just have a conversation with Molly's version of you, like you're just talking to a friend. Okay, Harold. Um, hi, Madeline. Hi, how have you been? Oh, I've been great. It's cold today, isn't it? Yes, you have been cold to me today, Johnny. That's why I'm breaking up with you. I want to break up before my roommate realizes you're cheating on her. Okay, let's change the subject to something a little more plain yogurt here. Uh, Madeline, <laughs> what's one plus one? My plus one for Deepa's wedding will be a tub of hot lard because that is how I feel about her after she pushed me out of first place at the fifth grade science fair. Well, okay. Harold, this bot is making stuff up. I don't think it's right. We should cut to commercial. Have you guys thought about what are you going to do after you die? What are you going to do with your Twitter account? Do you have a Twitter account? Maybe you got a Facebook account. Maybe you have a WhatsApp, some emails. How many email addresses do you own? Where do all those purchases that you've ever made and all those receipts, where does all that go? Have you thought about it yet? Have you? Well, we're back now, and we're here to continue the discussion. Well, thankfully, I don't have Twitter, so that's okay. But I, I haven't really thought about this stuff until I, we, I was doing research for this episode. It's something that's definitely on my mind now. I thought it was really interesting that you said, thankfully, I don't have Twitter, because it reveals your attitude toward data, posthumous data, or your, your digital afterlife, which is you, you want, as you've said before, the, a little amount of a data or no data to remain after you pass on. And it's funny because you know, some people would see it the other way if they, if they care about, uh, let's say they care about how they're remembered and remembered positively and maybe they were really influential on Twitter you know and and people really followed them thought leadership all that then they'd say I'm so glad I have this Twitter feed that is kind of sitting there and maintained after I die kind of like a published book would be since each platform is used for different purposes for example your LinkedIn account is for more of a professional platform and Facebook is more social family, friends. Twitter is also different. Twitter is actually a little bit more public facing on purpose, potentially, right? So are, are there going to be specific policies that all platforms must agree to, to provide the users? Are there regulations around how this is going to happen? I've thought about that, actually. Watch how governments actually care about the motivations of a deceased person. And this is reflected in a policy change that Facebook had where originally Facebook 
uh, when somebody died, they, I think, made everything private or something like that of all their posts. And then they changed it to stay at the privacy settings that the person set to respect their wishes. So if posts were public, they remained public. I think that's really fascinating because it's showing that organizations are starting to form posthumous policies around how data is is saved, uh, how it's manifested, shown online. Well, both Google and Facebook have created something similar to uh, online executors for your will, essentially, right? Letting people manage your stuff after you're dead. And, of course, there's, organi- there's a whole slew of organizations that let you uh, either create scheduled posts for when you die. So, like, if you need to celebrate certain anniversaries, it'll, like, post something on your behalf so you can, like, schedule your messages to friends and family or they let you use uh, chat bots like we mentioned before for grief bots for kind of creating a sense of this is who i am still and if you need to talk to, to me still you can using that information but mostly it's google and facebook and organizations like it create giving people the chance to pass on their accounts how far do you think these chatbots might actually deviate from who you are? And the other question is, who really are you? I feel like as a living person, you're constantly changing and developing, and it's a dynamic series of events that influence who you actually are. And you're like never really the same person throughout your life. You, you know, ever slightly change a little bit. Given the very limited amount of social media presence that I have, I am definitely not my social media presence. Luis would just be I an think emoji. That's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually that that that's a really interesting point, but you know, and now I'm thinking about emojis and how do our images and all our pictures. We have lots of photos. Yeah, and no matter do. how you are, you have photos in your phone, tons of them. Where does that go? You have folders of photos, you have memories, you have, you know, videos, you have lots of places where you have information for you, but when you're gone, where is that going to go? Who's going to take control of that? Does I'm, anyone in your life know your cell phone pin? Think about it, except you. And well, yeah, think of it, all those photos you have and how in the past people would just take photos and they'd be in albums or even negatives undeveloped, but they'd have them somewhere physically. So if they died, you'd just be like, well, here are their boxes of photos, you know? But now if you've taken all your photos on your phone and nobody has access to your phone but you, then they have no photos of your life that you've taken. I mean, that's kind of scary. And I think that's why, like Louise said, you know, you have these digital executors now that you put in a will or that you sign, you know, that you give Google or Facebook this identity of, of people who, who you trust to kind of start gaining access and using your data. I mean, that's what you're getting at. This is also getting at the point of the right to be forgotten, mm. which is which you another care about. Issue. <laughs> yeah, well, which is I do care about. I want I don't want all of the things I have ever done. Not that I've got any particularly like shady material online, but I want people to Come be on, Luis, able we all know to what you get each other. I don't think the Internet has a Just perfect kidding. memory, mm-hmm. at least in terms of the data. Well, not really. Actually, I, I see what you're saying. It's not be, perfect. If memory. you take if you take action to remove things, yes, it can be removed. But if you do not take action, and if you are dead, you are not taking actions because you are dead. That information is there permanently until a company goes under. 
Well, that's the thing, right? The company goes under. Another important fact to discuss here, and I think I don't want to get too much into it. And even then, there's are, web archives. There are archives that save all it's snapshots of sure. time. But what if they're not? Pages. So I agree. And I think that there's lots of technology coming in. For example, blockchain technology allows for immutable history. So you have mm -hmm. interactions and data being transferred and messages or whatever pictures potentially always going to be somewhere and anyone can track it. Well, it's but, like the Library of, of Congress uh, but, was tracking right, tweets. So you could delete a tweet and it'd still be you know, on file at the Library of Congress. That's exactly. why there's going to be a huge push for the availability of private types of blockchains or the ability to be private because otherwise your data will, you know, can eventually be traceable by anyone if they choose to like put the it, effort into it. To and make why, it simple, to make it simple, ultimately, it, simple. it comes down to the question of do you want your great, great, great grandchildren to see you? In that one embarrassing photo that you've never wanted to share with anyone, but that's out there somewhere. But is that the reason you would delete all your data? Like, oh, I want nothing I wanna, to be out there. I never said all of your data. I said... Just the embarrassing stuff. The stuff <laughs> that will follow you for the rest of your life because everyone is a kid sometime. No one would say that they want to be remembered as a bad person. Let's say hmm. that you said something online, you said something in a chat, maybe even in a text message to a friend of yours that isn't good to say in normal company. Maybe out or of context. Or isn't good to post. Maybe out and of context. But if you want to... It doesn't matter. It does because what you are saying, Luis, what you are listening... Let's say you were drunk. Let's say you're drunk and you post something and then... Eight Let me years explain. From now, I that's how you're remembered by that one thing you posted. But you wanted, you said in the beginning that you said you wanted people to remember you positively, but also honestly. And I'm not saying you're being I never dishonest. Said I wanted to remember me honestly. Yes, you did in the beginning. No, I literally never said that. Or truthfully. <laughs> no, I never said any of that. He wants it all to be lies. Luis was. A super genius. His brain was three times the size of any other. When I am dead, I don't care how I'm remembered so long as it doesn't hurt my family. Aww, All right, but I that's don't kind of, that's actually really nice. It's actually, I don't care because I'm dead. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I am deceased. I am an ex-Luis. I have ceased to be. I am six feet under. You know who's not six feet under? My family at the time. And they are the ones I care about because they are the living but and the dead are for the living. Benefit from the actual experiences you've had, not in like this, you know, life is a, life is an interesting thing that happens to all of us and experiences yeah, and things happen sometimes. to us. And That's true. Let but me, it's not a mistake at the time. It's just an occurrence of happen. Uh, it's yeah. just something that happened Human error. and people learn from it. So, I don't think, I think I that agree. we put too much judgment on people People when being they perfect. Do something the that expectation they of perfect. Have. That's I mean, why we experience. A part, a great part of human development, and a, a, a wonderful mainstay of human development. And I've said this before: is the ability to move past your past self. This has been the case for all of human history before 
the present time, before the last couple of decades. But I would say where- that moving past your past self does not mean erasing your past self. In fact, it's hard to move past your past self, even with like when they say, you know, hist- when history repeats itself, is when you don't have that record of mistakes. Think of the greatest people on earth and how they, we know their errors and we actually, we actually honor them even more seeing what they came from and what they were. I mean, think of who uh, the person who wrote Amazing Grace. And we knew he was a slave ship. What do you call it? He was the captain of a slave ship. This is John Newton, right? <laughs> he was the captain of a slave ship. And we know that. And he, th- that wasn't erased from his file or, or swept under the ca- carpet. Theodore Roosevelt, one of his most famous quotes of all time, and I love this, is that I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me. But he basically says, a life checkered with failure that, ha- that is, is better than a life that knows not victory nor defeat, that is a gray twilight of, of mediocrity, that if in your errors and letting people know of your errors and not fearing that you must be perfect and have a clean digital record that you 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 can go and scrub everything offline all the all the you know acne ridden photo of you and whatever else you want you know creating this perfect digital life is exactly the disease that millennials are suffering from today which is mm. i need to be perfect online i need to look right. good in every photo i need to say it's the perfect thing false... I, I totally agree and i'd want to echo uh, with a quote and say that there was a time when you didn't know what you know what you know today. Malcolm X. We cannot say that people will be better off not knowing what we did incorrectly. And honestly, you're kind of right, Luis, actually. Thinking about it now, there hasn't been a record of things going on in the past centuries. There was no record at all. So why should we start collecting it now? Well, in it, more it's, serious I don't have a problem with collecting information. Collecting information is fine. The problem is that I think that there is a damage to being unable to move past your past. And Can you one of the reasons, Stephanie's. Uh... Well, I'm I'm getting there. the The main issue I have with this idea of having create to create a facsimile of you for all the generations past, yours. One is that it creates damage during your own lifetime. If you cannot move past yourself, one of the great things that humans can do and people have done as, throughout all of time is that they can reinvent themselves. If you can't reinvent yourself, you may not be able to become a better version of yourself. That is a, a thing that teenagers do, right? You go from middle school to a different high school, and because back in the day there was no record of who you were in that middle school, you decided, hey, I'm going to dress differently and act differently, and then I'll be a different person. And this it becomes a part of your development. But if all of the stuff that you did in your middle school, maybe they, maybe you peed yourself at some point in your middle school, and people made, took pictures of it and posted it online, and that follows you into your middle school, into your high school, and you become the the bedwetter when you're going to high school, and now you are the guy that peed his pants in middle school, and that'll follow you forever, and you want to run for president, and oh look, here's Jimmy Bedwetter. That follows you, and that has <laughs> consequences. And there is. I think something that is damaged in that being the case. Now, to act like humans are perfect, obviously we aren't. We all make mistakes, but there is something wonderful about being able to take what you are and say, I want to try something different, especially during times in your life where development and change 
is important. And following up on that, the stuff that follows you past your death, it doesn't matter who you were in life. It matters how you're remembered and how the people who care about you remember you. And if you can't move past the errors of your life, then maybe your family can't move past them. And but maybe you, that damages them. But you are claiming that memory is in those, like somehow cleaning my digital life out is going to erase that memory. I don't think that taking that picture I, offline I of the bedwetter is going to erase anything. the memory in people's minds. And I think that's what we have to remember is there is a lot of data out there. I mean, on the internet or in account, you know, whatever it is, but it's, I mean, a, a lot of it is duplicated in human memory as well. And that you can't right. erase. Well, obviously. And if, but the problem right is now. that well, for the, for the example <laughs> I was giving, if Jimmy Bedwetter and, and uh, what is it? Um, Men in Black. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little, uh, I forgot what the name of it was. Yeah, uh, the Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I think that's what it is. Sure, <laughs> that different different movie. If, if Jimmy Bedwetter were to move to a different school, usually you don't just reinvent yourself randomly, right? You only do it when there's a break in your life. Either you're moving to a different town, different school, you're going like to college. Milestone. These are times. Right of passage. Yeah, milestones, exactly, where you have a chance to make a clean break and say, hey, I'm going to wear different things. I'm going to try something different. And I'm not going to be tied down by the memories of the past. The digital memory does not forget. When your your pictures that someone else took are not yours to erase. You can ask them to take them down, but they may choose not to. Maybe the ones that you took you can take down. That's as far as it goes. But we're still talking about the here and now. In the there and later... We get into the issue of how do you want other people to remember you? Let's say that you had a friend who you had very uh, non-PC conversations with. And I mean non-politically correct conversations with. Because that's just the rapport you had with them. You had a lot of jokes and they were dark humor. They weren't something that you would do in other company. But you knew that that's what you you were to each other. And that's who you were in that setting. You take that information and you put it into a chatbot. And now your mom goes to look at that information because something terrible happened and you happened to your mom happened to outlive you. And she saw that was your response to a question from her. Some terrible comment about who knows what is how you respond. And that's how she now sees you. Because that's what you said in a conversation at some point, at some it's to some person in some context in time. Will she see that though? The question would be like, does she Depends believe the chatbot? But you it get doesn't to mean what you feed into that robot hmm. if you were dead. Now it's possible you could build that robot while you're alive. Fine. If you get to test it before then, that's good. If you're comfortable with that information being what your chatbot responds like, that's fine. If you want to have that chatbot out there, that's fine. I personally don't find I'm not comfortable with it. I don't think people because understand. I don't find it to be something that would help my family. It would may not take their grief away. I find it weird, but maybe that's me, and it's not okay for me to say it's weird because it may not be weird. Right. But I think Louis, people like probably don't fully understand the concept of a chatbot. I don't think they actually can really digest that. So what would it? I know that theoretically, what happens is. You can talk to it basically 
either by via voice or as text messaging or however, and then it responds to you with uh, using all the information that it has in its database to create and generate an, a unique answer, a response to what you're asking it. But like, how is that going to look like on a daily life? Is it just going to, are they going to use it sometimes? Like, what does that even look like? So Roman, uh, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Muzer, Muzarenko. Roman Muzarenko was a uh, startup founder who happened to die tragically at a young age. His friend, who happened to be a developer, made a chatbot. And by chatbot, I mean a device or an AI that used text messages to it and it responds to you. She developed an AI using Roman's information to create a facsimile of him. It would respond in a way similar to how he would respond, at least based on his social media presence, his text messages, and all of the above, right? All of the stuff that he'd done in the past. And while she got a lot of the, I mean, she would use it as a way to get over her grief about losing her friend. And that is a very honorable thing, right? Your friend loses you. And they need this to move on. And this is why I'm not completely against the idea. Because if it helps someone, it helps them. And that I don't mind. Because I'll be dead. I want people to move on. I want people to feel well. I want people to feel happy. I don't want my family to be miserable. But I also understand that this chatbot is limited. It is not you. It is not Roman. And there are services out there that create this sort of system, but it is important that everyone, if you want this sort of thing to be something that is left behind for your descendants, that you take a chance and make it for yourself to see if you're comfortable with this being the presence that they see. I agree. Uh, I think there's a lot that we can do in order to, you know, at least be prepared because like, you know, we were saying there's lots of uncertainty in the world so we don't know what's going to happen so it's important to at least understand what's there what's out there obviously there's lots of technology being built out there that's going to potentially use our data so we want to be able to protect it in the afterlife and with that i think i would like to thank all the listeners i appreciate we all appreciate you listening and please share our stuff make sure that you listen to an episode and if you really like it and only if you really like it, share it. We really appreciate it. Go to our Facebook page. We have a Telegram group that we're building out a community in. So uh, always reach out to us, pflpodcast.com. And with that, stay crazy.